Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. And sometimes in life, opposites just no longer attract. In fact, you know this about me. I was married to a woman. I came out later in life, have two kids. And it's been a while since we've shared these kind of stories, not because they don't need to be told. In fact, I believe right now these stories need to be told more now than ever because people seem to have thought that, oh, you know, people who got married and then have kids and then come out of the closet. This is old stuff. No, it's not. You have to understand this happens more and more and more in our society, but it just doesn't get talked about. And I feel like as a modern society, we need to drive this line of acceptance more than even, well, kind of even the younger generation stuff, because I do believe the younger generation has an easier way through it. And so as I was thinking through this, and then as fate would have it, I met somebody through somebody, and now he's publishing a book about when opposites no longer attract, and um, he's been through a very similar story as I have, but we didn't go into a lot of detail in the pre-interview because I thought, you know what, we're going to just go raw, we're going to go real, and I want to welcome Michael J. Testa to the show to talk about his journey and to talk about his new book, When Opposites No Longer Attract. So, Michael, I'm really glad to have you here today, man. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, and there's so a lot of you, commonalities here. So, Right. What you said is so true because, you know, what's old is new again, where, like you said, where, you know, everything sort of settled down and you didn't hear much about the subject. Yep. But the, suddenly it's starting to become front and center. And, you know, we, we settle in with societal norms. And I talked about that in my book as well. You know, everyone basically is invited to, to meet the opposite sex, get married, have kids, and live happily ever after. And sometimes that doesn't work out that way. All right. So I'm curious. You, you just kind of hit a, a chord that really strikes with me. So why do you think we're back in suddenly this is becoming talked about again? Because we did kind of go through a phase where it kind of quieted down over the last few years. But why do you think suddenly it's starting to show up more and more again? I, I know um, I have my perspective, I but... I think, well, first of all, I've been hearing about it more again. Mm -hmm. And I was out a few weeks ago, and I don't really go out that often. And I ran into a gentleman who was friends with friends. And he said, he goes, hey, he comes up to me out of the blue. Hey, I heard you were married and came out and have children. I'm like, yes. He goes, well, I don't have children, but I've come out from marriage. And he was 27 years old. Mm. So, you know. I, and what that was like, oh, it just sort of jarred me a little bit saying, wow, you know what, 27 years old? All right, mm-hmm. you think that, you know, I'm in, in my 50s now, yep. and you think that all of us 50-year-olds have flushed it out, and there's mm-hmm. nobody left. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're reminded that not much has changed. It may have changed in urban areas. It mm-hmm. may be talked about more on TV. Um, 
but also with the anti-LGBT voices that are, again, once in the news and, you know, especially transgender news where, you know, the president is going after transgender service members. It all just seems to start bubbling up again. Mm-hmm. And that's why it, it, be, it became front and center for me where I kind of let this go for a little while without having to promote it and not promoting it. And then now I'm like, people need this book. Mm-hmm. They need mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was connected with you as, you know, how the universe works. Yep. And you know, here we're, we're talking about it, which and brings it front and center again. And I think you and I are having a very similar experience. Um, you know, I do this every day, day in and day out. It's my work that I do with people, you know, working with people coming out of the closet, you know, whatever the closets are. But it started at the core of, you know, right. working mostly with men coming out of the closet after marriage. And I caught in the same kind of space where, oh, you know, it seems like things are getting better all along knowing that no out there in non-urban areas and the middle states and, you know, different places I mean, I'm from California and there's even pockets here in California that, you know, this is just still not cool to be out LGBTQ person. But I started to notice that, wait, there's a trend. And the trend started right after my book came out. Um, I was on a college campus and talking about my story. And I had a couple of young people come up to me and say, wow, I'm so glad you wrote this book because, you know, I'm coming out late in life and I'm looking at them going, (laughs) you're 20 something. But to right. them, they are coming out late in life because kids nowadays yeah. are coming out at, you know, seven, eight, 10, 12, whatever that might be. And I think this is yeah. why this story is still important. It is that opposites yeah. don't attract. It is there's a late in life experience, whatever late in life may look like for you. And um, yeah, I'm so glad to see that you have pulled this book together and that you're sharing it because I don't know about you, man there's not a lot of resources out there for someone older coming up. You know, it's just, yeah, there, 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 there are, hold on a second. That's all right. The dog agrees with us. And this is what I love about live podcasts. We get lots of people coming in and weighing in. And, um, (laughs) I, I, I think it's so interesting that, you know, in this world, in fact, I just had this conversation the other day. Somebody said, do you really think you need to do that work still? And I just wanted to like slap the shit out of it. You know, it was kind of well. Like, that that's kind of like people were asking me. Same in my. You know, do you really think it's it's valuable for you to promote your book? Um, and and I, you know, I step back and I say, well, you know, maybe you know. And I'm like, no. The reason I wrote this book is because when you're in the throes of being married in a straight marriage and you have kids, there are very few windows for you to see your way out. So you become whole, you become authentic to yourself. Most of the time, you know, you heard of, you know, conversion therapy and all Mm -hmm. that stuff that people go through that obviously doesn't work. Um, But, you know, when you're in that and until you're in that situation, you feel very, you you feel dire. You feel Mm -hmm. like there's no way out. You know, you can't be yourself. You can't be your best parent. You can't be your best spouse. Yep. And you can't get out. Right. So it, no, because you, it, it, and trapped. you're trapped in so yeah. many ways. And I think this is the piece that people, okay, there's going to be people who don't get it. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't even, I don't even mess with them. The ones that I, yeah. I, I really like to have these conversations with are the ones who are like, help me understand. And I, yeah. you know, the right. closest thing I can equate it to that has helped most people really grasp this is, it's a form of domestic abuse 
where the domestic abuse is actually happening from you yourself. It isn't coming necessarily yeah. from someone else. You are domestically yeah. abusing yourself saying, okay, well, I have to stay in this. I have to do this because this is what's expected of me. And you stay because the pain is greater to leave than to stay or so you think until one day you go, yeah. I can't endure this pain any longer, which is a very similar path that most people who find themselves in domestic abuse relationships find that, well, I have to stay because this, you know, it'll stop. They don't really mean this and da 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 da. And finally, one day they just say, I can't do this anymore. I cannot be in that. Yeah, there, there is that point that in, in speaking for myself and, and, and my book contains stories of four men and four women. So when I decided to write it, I didn't just want it to be about my story. I wanted someone to be able to pick this book up and say, oh, I understand you know, this person's part of the story and that person's part of the story. You know, some have kids, some don't have kids. Right. Um, so it, it, it needed, it, I wanted it to be more of a larger perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so, you know, someone coming out to pick it up, a family member could pick it up, mm-hmm. you know, see what it's like for someone that they know who's going through it. Or mm-hmm. maybe they know somebody who's, they think is going through it, but can help out because you just hand them the book, they read it. And people leave even, I had, had this question, well, how is somebody going to read that book if they're still married? And I'm like, uh, you know, they, I said they could shove it under the bed if they don't want to, right. anybody to see it or they could get the Kindle version. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's what I've seen happen for my book is it, the Kindle version gets sold way more and had similar yeah. question. And this is why I, you yeah. know, the best use of my book, quite honestly, has been, LGBTQ centers, whether they're centers, you know, in a city or they're centers on a campus. Uh, in fact, I just sent out like three last week, two campuses where I'm trying to do some speaking engagements because mm-hmm. you get it in those hands. People who are going into those resource centers are going there for help. Now, whether they yeah, take the book right. leave with it, the thing is, is they can sit there in that safe space and read it, you know, but yes, the Kindle version is yeah. the way to go, you know, and it is one of those things, which has been the challenge all along in my work is, yeah. how is somebody going to do the work with me without getting out it? You know, that's a tough mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to, yeah, therapy, I mean, if you go to traditional therapy, you can kind of go under the auspices of I'm depressed, you know, life's not going well, da, 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 da. And because right. of the laws and everything, nothing can be shared. So it is this instant, interesting space that you know authors like you and I we play in where we're trying to give the resource how someone chooses to use it we can give our and I and this is why I love having these conversations the best way we can tell you to use it is get the Kindle version get a version you know right. audible get it on audible um, it's just such an interesting space that we delve in so um, you and I actually have some commonality we were just talking about before we started recording so we both kind of came out in the same year. 1999 was when everything unraveled for both of us. I'm curious for you, yeah. compare, when you look back now from current day to then, what was your perspective on how coming out was back in 99 versus what it's like now? Um, coming out back then, uh, you know, I, I, Coming out back then, there were a lot more bars to go to for one thing. Mm-hmm. So when you wanted to become social, and, and it took me a few months after I even came out to actually get myself to go out to a gay bar. And mm-hmm. once I did, then I started meeting people and 
and and I ended up finding someone that I ended up being in a partnership for for six years. I started to become a volunteer for uh, some LGBT organizations, and eventually became president of Equality Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So through the people that I met, who were you know open arms, they were face to face. What I see now is that with you know social apps, people I don't think meet and get to know each other as well because it's like you're one and done or I, you know, you don't have this or don't have that. I think it's more difficult now to come out um, and to really get a face to face to meet someone that you might be interested in or may actually help you along to meet other people that are similar to yourself. Um, And in the book, how I became, you know, uh, motivated to write the book is we were out watching Will and Grace one night and I wrote this in the book. There were five men in, in this bar, it was a gay bar, mm-hmm. watching Will and Grace. And between the five of us, we had 14 children. Wow. And this is in 19, like this is probably 2000, 2000, 2001. And so I'm like, wow, five of us with 14 children. And, and each person's story was different. So, but I don't know, you know, I, I can't say because I'm not coming out now, right. but I think it's more difficult to really get into, you know, the, the psyche of other people coming out because it's so instantaneous now and mm-hmm. you know people you know friendships kind of it takes a lot to create a friendship you know when you're coming out you're like you're like new mm-hmm. people don't know you or what your story is and and people have opinions about you having been married and had children yeah and now you know in the gay world and yeah, some aren't nice yeah exactly some, <laughs> some are definitely not nice definitely I, I mean i've told the story numerous times about the one guy calling me a breeder in the bar i'm like really you're going to go there. Just, you know, I'm sorry that I touched the vagina, but so did you when you came down one. So, (laughs) you know, Um, I, I had, I had people say to me, they wouldn't date me because, um, you know, I have children mm -hmm. and they probably, I know most of them don't remember saying that because the same people as, you know, my children are now 24 and 22, you know, maybe five or six years ago said, gosh, you know, I really wish I would have had kids. These were the same people that wouldn't date me because I had kids. Mm-hmm. But that shows that, so, that shows such the social construct our own community has gone through. And, you know, there's always going to be the controversy because I, I can still be around some of our, you know, I love all my brothers and sisters, but sometimes when they get on their thing, up, well, why do we have to act like the heteros? It's like, we're not yeah. acting like the heteros. I, I have this gut instinct that I want to be a parent. So I want to be a parent. It has nothing to do with heterosexuality. I totally honor yeah. those who are like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a kid person. Great. Then don't be a kid person, yeah. you know? Right. And it's just a man. In fact, my husband and I were watching the newest or the final tr- trilogy of the 50 shades of gray. And, um, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, by the time anybody hears this, if you want to see it, go see it. But, you know, part of the plot line is she ends up pregnant and there's this whole blow, you know, blowout and everything. And I thought, this is just so interesting that, you know, our own community would go, oh, my God, I can't believe you want to have kids. But there's a whole group of people who don't want to have kids. So just don't do it. <laughs> Get over it. You know, it, there's nothing right. that makes us heteronormative. I think it's more it comes from our core. But um, I wanted to step back to something because. I think it would be really valuable for those listening to hear this piece of it. So you, you said it took you a little while to go step in and go, go out to the gay bars after you came out. I'm curious yeah. for you, what was the holdback? 
Uh, I guess I was, uh, uh, maybe it was kind of, I went into a gray area. You know, mm-hmm. when you, when you leave your spouse, you know, there are two things in life that are the most difficult to get through emotionally is one is losing a spouse and the other is divorcing a spouse. Mm-hmm. Right. So here I am divorcing a spouse. I've got children and I think I just needed time to gather my things together. And at that point in time, um, like I was, I didn't, I didn't go myself. I, I was, there was a website back then called gay.com, which is probably yep. the only, only way really that people were socializing online was that website and maybe some AOL sites. Cause that was a long time ago. But I started making, meeting some people and they're like, Hey, why don't you come and meet us? And I resisted, resisted, resisted. And one night I'm like, I just need to get out of my apartment and I need to go out. I need to see what this world is about. Mm-hmm. And I did. Yeah. And it was truly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and, and the reason I asked that question, Michael, is because I, I went through a very similar thing. Now, I had been in gay bars. I had been with friends to gay bars as the token yeah. straight guy. You know, I'd done that. Yeah. But when it came yeah. to my, and, and I was lucky that I had a good circle of gay friends when I came out, so it wasn't as hard. But I knew part of my my own stepping into who I was was going to have to be truly going in a gay bar by myself, which actually is the reason I even came out. I mean, I went to a gay bar in London, which is when I met the guy and I, you know, that's what I think. But after that experience, I realized I've, I've got one huge issue that I need to contend with. And that issue is being okay with being with myself. And part of that is being yeah. with myself and showing up somewhere with just myself. No, no wingman, no nothing. Cause I knew if I didn't start to do that, I was going to have a really hard time moving forward in life. And so that's what kept helping. Yeah. Right. You had to, you had to come into your own. Yes. And I think so many people don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is me. This is who I think I want to be. It's like anything else. You, you trial and error. I don't like that. That's not working for me. Try something else. It's Mm -hmm. not. It's not a scientific approach by any means, No, but you do find your way through. And, you know, and also when you divorce, you, you tend to lose all your friends that you were with when you were married. They just kind of like, and then, you know, you don't even know if you could tell them that you're the reason you left or, you know, mine was several reasons. That wasn't really the biggest one, but you know, what do you do with your friends? Like you, you, you've taken so long to decide yourself, you know, how hard it was. You just go and tell them that you're gay and you expect them like, yay, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't happen that way. Maybe in some cases it does. And most people, unless they've had experiences like you have mm-hmm. with, you've had gay friends and that might be the case more now than back then. Um, you kind of just were floating out on a cloud yourself mm-hmm. and, and you had to find your way. Right. Yeah. You know, as you were speaking, I'm like, yeah, I wonder, wonder how many friends I have that, I would even consider friends at this stage that come from that space and really just a handful. And they're not even like consistent friends. They're more like the Facebook type friends. And and some of them I see every once in a while, but to say, wow, which of those friends, I mean, none of the married friends, none of them. Well, no, none of the married one, one married friend for sure sticks out in my mind because her husband and us, we all used to do things together, but they're since divorced too. And she's now remarried. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. 
it, it is an interesting space, but then as you step into it, and here's where I think the challenge becomes, you know, my whole brand is around the bold move. So first of all, the bold move is coming out for sure. But then there's lots of other bold moves you start to make. It's like the bold move of yeah. being yourself. And then the bold move of not listening necessarily to the LGBT community about, okay, well, in order to be this, this is how you need to show up. You know, each one of us gets to choose mm -hmm. that. But one mm -hmm. of the oldest yeah. moves I feel like I had to make after this was how I wanted to balance who I was as a gay man, as a father, and as an ex-partner so that I could move forward to be in a relationship where I could balance having a relationship as well. And all of that was like some of the toughest road I, I went down for the first five to seven years. Amen. <laughs> you know, you go through divorce, you go through custody. And we talk about this in the book as well, where, you know, some people, um, you know, it depends on where you live. You may mm -hmm. still be in an area where, you know, you're gay, so you can't have custody of your kids, yep. which prior to leaving your spouse, you have to take that into account as far as, you know, what damage will occur when I leave? Like, what is my spouse going to do? There are spouses that, you know, are, are you know, odd, I say oddly grateful because, you know, rather than them lead a life that is not, you know, authentic with their partner, um, that they are cordial about it and are not mean about it and, and work through it. And then there are others who just want to, like, stick a knife in your neck, yep. you know. Yep. And you have to be, you have to be prepared for that. You have to mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, you, you don't become a weekend father that also all of a sudden wants, you know, shared custody. You've right. got, you have to be in the game and that goes what, whether you are gay or not leaving mm -hmm. your spouse. Yes. You have to be in the game. So if you go to court and the court say, well, you know, he or she has been taking care of these kids all the time. You know, they try to do what's best for the kids. Right. In most cases, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it just depends on on the judge. If you go that far, that, you know, it, so many variables. But that is an mm -hmm. important factor of why well, it's a huge piece. It's a huge piece of yeah. it. And I think this is where I mean, I I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to judge a lot of people on this, but I, I was always I wanted to be a parent. So my kids are my world. And even to this day, my kids in my world and, and issues that they contend with with their mom at this point. I know there's issues that they contend with with me and my husband, but I yeah. will be there for them no matter what. And it takes a very special person, gay or straight, to step into that after divorce. They've got to be willing yeah. to share you and your children and to some degree learn how they are going to show up in your life. It doesn't mean they're not important to you, but for some, it's like my kids come first, you're second place. Others, it's yeah. you and my kids are equal, but it takes time to get to that place where they're equal because your kids are coming right from your own, you know, flesh and blood. And it's very difficult, again, gay or straight for people to step into it. And I think that if you're not ready to do that, this is something you need to think about before you come out of the closet. It's just another thing. Right. And a lot of... I haven't run across too many people who didn't think through that piece, but I have run across a lot who didn't put enough weight and thought into that piece. You know, that you know. comes under the baptism by fire. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, know, or as, as I, 
as I say, the whole thing is an emotional vortex where it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and things are coming at you and things are going away from you faster than sometimes your own mind can even grasp. Mm -hmm. And sometimes decisions need to be made on, you know, at the, in the moment and you just have to trust your in instincts and intuition yeah. because it all works out. <laughs> you well, know, and you it just brought something out. It does. And, and you just brought something I was going to actually ask you. So how did you manage it? But I think you just hit the nail on the head, Michael, is you've got to trust your instincts. And um, yeah. it's not easy. In fact, I, I talked about this uh, probably a couple of months ago on a podcast <clears throat> where I said, you know, it's so interesting, no matter what we're trying to do in life, whether it's coming out, we're changing jobs, we're going to leave a relationship, we're going to go build a business. There's three things that kind of, I'm going to say three, there's actually kind of four because two of them go together, but three things that have to like play nicely together, your head and your mind, you know, your, your mind has to be focused. Secondarily, your heart and your soul have to be in alignment with that focus but you've got to allow your instinct, that intuition to take the wheel. And all three of those, yeah. in my perspective, have to play nicely together. Otherwise, literally, you're fucked. You're literally fucked. Yeah. And if you trust yeah. one thing and then don't let the other two play in it, to me, that's where you screw it up. You can be so totally yeah. focused, mindset of, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. But if that isn't in alignment with how your heart and your soul work, and you're never going to trust your intuition, Man, again, just from experience, personal, as well as coaching people, this is like, to me, the, the just masterful trifecta. You've got to let right. all and I, together. I call what, you know, as, as I'm maturing and, you know, I've been partnered now for four years. Um, I had a number of years where I was single and I dabbled in dating again after I left, after my first partner and I split. Um, but you, you. You, after you go through all of that and you go through your divorce and you go through, in some cases, a custody battle, which I did, mm -hmm. you, you, you seem to just return to yourself, mm -hmm. but you, your clarity is so much better because you don't have the, the gay fog in mm -hmm. your head. You know, and for me, like, I, I can remember being younger having like, oh, wow, I think that guy's cute, but, you know, I think that girl's cute. And, you know, it just didn't, it, it just didn't resonate with me as anything significant because I didn't know anyone was gay. I know, you know, people were said to be gay that I know and do right. know now that were, but it didn't have any context to it. There was nothing mm -hmm. that, you know, affected me. And then, you know, finally, you just moving along as you get through all that, you're like, you know what, I'm still the same person, but I don't have those. I don't have that 300 pound weight on my shoulders anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, other, other things are allowed to creep in now. <laughs> I love this. So I, I'm going to, I love the use of the term, the gay fog. And I, I, so I'm going to tell you what I interpreted both ways. So there's this gay fog yeah. that I believe I'm going to use your term gets in the way okay. of you being able to make good decisions as you come yeah. through that whole divorce thing. And then yeah. there's the gay fog that happens after you've been dating somebody for a while, kind of been in the community, and then you finally say, wait, this isn't me. And so that's another time to me when the gay fog lifts. It's like, okay, so who yeah. am I? The first one is, oh my God, am I gay? It's the whole kind of coming out stuff, gay fog. Is yeah. this really me? Is it not me? 
So then that yeah. clog lifts, but then most times, almost almost 100% of the time, I think most people step into the new gay fog, again, using your beautiful terminology, where, okay, so who am I supposed to be now? You know you're gay. You like dick. You like, you know, pussy, whatever it is. You know you're gay. You're attracted to that same-sex person. But then is that all that defines you as being gay? And sometimes it is. Hey, that's me, and I'm still going right. to operate and be who I am. You know, and it's interesting because I do a couple of workshops around men and masculinity and mm -hmm. I try to send them a bio, which in this day and age, is pretty hard to like get around them figuring out who I really am. But I, I yeah. try to get the organizers to like not super pre promote who I am because I want to walk into that space as a guy, like just a normal yeah. guy. And then I don't drop right. a bomb about being gay till we're about 45 minutes into the workshop. Because it's part of the whole, wow, you've been relating to me now. Suddenly you're going to shift gears because you just discovered I'm gay. Yeah, and it's part of you know us, us as men dealing with our own masculinity. But um, I think it's interesting that you brought up that terminology, gray, gay fog, because it's truly what happens. It happens. Yeah, there's, it, also an, there, there's also another term which kind of also applies a little differently than gay fog is gay adolescence. Oh, absolutely. When you first come out. When you first come out and you go gangbusters, yep. you know, it's what I call the kid in the candy for, store. It's the kid in the candy store mentality. You're, you're trying to catch up for everything you think mm -hmm. you lost by coming out later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you realize you didn't. I find it interesting too, that the ones who try to fight their gay adolescence, they come out, you know, and this is a lot of my clients. They come out at this age, you know, late 40s, early 50s, and they immediately have to have a relationship. <laughs> like, time out. Yeah. You haven't even yeah. had experience. Some of them haven't even had any, you know, man-on-man -man experiences or woman-on-woman -woman experiences. And as a mm -hmm. coach, it's not my job to say, no, time out, you got to go do this. But I always bring the question. So if you don't have other experiences, how will you know that you're with the right person? How will you actually begin Correct. to define who you want to be? And to watch them fight the adolescence, A, because they're like, well, I don't want to be a hoe. Fine, you don't have to be a hoe, but get out there and date. You know, you don't have to throw your yeah. legs up if you don't want to. However, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I suggest that you do because you're going to have to figure that out too. And uh, right. it's, it's so interesting to watch the two extremes, completely gay adolescents in the candy store, trying everything, or I'm not going to be that. I'm going straight for the relationship. You know, it's just, it's an amazing journey to watch people go through. So, um, you know, and part of the part of problem, a problem in gay relationships is, you know, if, if you do that, if you get into a relationship very soon and oftentimes gay people don't even themselves have an idea of what kind of relationship they want mm -hmm. or they, 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 uh, how, how they actually function in a relationship yep. because gay people don't have that many uh, examples of good gay relationships. We have mm -hmm. more now than we had back then, right. but still there's still fewer and far between than, you know, growing up in a gay family, like some people are now, yep. you know, you've had straight parents, you have straight friends. The only examples you have are heterosexual relationships yeah. so what what does your what's your gay relationship supposed to do is it supposed to be heterosexual mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and that's 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 a whole nother book that's, that's well, another a whole book other in ball game. and the thing that i always <laughs> bring forward in these beautiful discussions like this is 
I just invite everybody to think back, unless you're just very lucky. <laughs> but who taught any of us really how to date? Most of us, it was mom and dad going, well, yeah, this is what, kind of what you do, but they didn't, you know, especially our age range, they didn't even want to talk about this stuff. You know, as yeah. I've mm -hmm. raised my two kids, I've been very open about, you know, being too clingy or standing up for what you desire or being open to honest communication. But at the end of the day, most of us never got taught how to date, let alone mm -hmm. add the same sex attraction piece to it, which is a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. Completely right. Everybody, everybody brings their luggage to the to the yeah. uh, the um, relationship. Exactly. And some, some of it ain't pretty. Yeah. So <laughs> some of it's not Gucci. Trust me. Some of it's very ugly stuff that was picked up at the <laughs> lambda. So uh, uh, leave it at the curb. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So real quick before we wrap up, one of the things I always find interesting in these conversations is, you know, the kids. How are the kids? And it sounds like just what you've said kids are doing okay yeah they're they're doing fine i mean they're 24 and, and, and well, i'm sorry 24 and 22 i keep forgetting how old they are something like my own age right. but i mean they're doing fine they're finding their way through life as young male adolescents i only yeah. had boys i didn't have any girls i don't know what it would have been like to have a girl um but but they're doing just fine and yeah. you know they have been through their trials and tribulations coming going through their own teenage and growing up adolescence and mm. like you said earlier you know you're there for them no matter what as much as it hurts sometimes right. or as much as why did you do that right. <laughs> what were you thinking exactly you still and, and that is the most undying love that you can ever have is for your children nothing gets in the way mm. and when they say that you can have unconditional love your children are your unconditional love, no matter what. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and I, I, had I not had children, I might not know what that means mm -hmm. um, because it seems like everything else is conditional in the love space. Yeah, that's so true. So but they're doing well. Mm -hmm. Good, 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 good. Well, I'm so glad you put this book together, Michael. Again, it is When Opposites No Longer Attract. It'll be available on the show page. I encourage anyone who is searching, again, you don't have to be gay, lesbian, bi, any of that. You can be a family member who is looking for help me understand. And I think that's one of the most beautiful spaces is when we can help each other understand each other in a whole different light. So I'm so glad you wrote the book, man. So glad that we got connected here. Thank you. And, um, yeah. we wind it up, man, if there's one little last piece of advice you would give someone who's going through this, what would that be? Be authentic. Do not, do not go down a path where you're not because once you become an authentic person and you feel authentic about yourself, you become better for yourself, your kids, mm. your family, for everyone. For everyone. Mm. And, and thank you for having me on the, on the podcast. I really oh, appreciate it. I'm so glad you were here. And that, to end with what you just said is just, it's the epitome. When you are authentic, you can make your bold move. You can come out, you can live your life uncloseted. And neither one of us are going to blow smoke up your ass and say it's easy because every day it's a challenge no. to be authentically who you are, but to yeah. really begin to embrace that concept is where it all comes down. So uh, thanks again for being here, man. So appreciate it. And You're welcome with the book. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. 
share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.